This is Brain Diet, episode number 57. I'm Taylor Ann Macy, and you are listening to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain good information. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking about key relationships for weight loss. I love the topic of weight loss. I don't know if that is obvious, (laughs) but I talk about it all the time on the podcast. I coach on it all the time inside the gym for your mind. I think that doing the work around your body, around your weight is so powerful. And not just in the way that you look, it is powerful in every way other than the way that you look. (laughs) It is so powerful mentally and emotionally. And that is what I want for you is power mentally and emotionally. I think weight loss is a fabulous topic to be able to facilitate that. That's why it is one of my favorite subjects to coach on, to teach on. So today I want to share with you key relationships for weight loss, relationships that you have to assess and pay attention to and improve in order to lose weight, in order to maintain weight, in order to feel better. When it comes to our bodies and our weight, most people have a lot of chatter and noise and drama mentally about those subjects. When I say chatter and noise and drama, I refer to the dialogue that happens in our minds when we think about our bodies or when we think about our weight or when we think about our appearance. We have a lot of thoughts that just are noisy. They aren't helpful. They aren't useful. They're kind of bothersome and It sounds just like chatter, where it's kind of annoying, honestly, right? And it doesn't feel good when it's happening. Most humans have this type of noise around our appearance and around our weight. So that is why I think if it's a common thread among most of us, then it's a useful work to do to eliminate that chatter or at least know how to manage the noise in such a way where it doesn't become such a problem. I am a human being with a brain. I have a lot of noise and chatter and drama about weight and about my body and about the way that I look. But because of the work that I have done and because of the work that I do with the information that I'm going to share with you today, it is so much less bothersome. It's so much less noisy and it's so much less of a problem because I learned how to manage it based on what I'm going to teach you today. So let's get into it. Let's get into the key relationships for weight loss. The first relationship that is very crucial when it comes to weight loss is your relationship with your body. Now there's a lot of info out in the world on this topic. There are so many great resources to utilize when it comes to how we can improve our relationship with our body. What I want to share with you today that has helped me is that usually our relationship with our body is based so much on the appearance of it that it can be hard to get to a healthy place. Sometimes we get so focused on what we look like 
that our relationship with our body isn't able to change and evolve and grow. It's kind of interesting though, because when we think about the people in our lives that we love the very most, their appearance really is a pretty minor part of why we love them. I would say even in some relationships, it's insignificant to why we love them. Yet, it's one of the most important things to us, to ourselves, as to whether or not we can love ourselves is based on what we look like. So I think in order to shift our relationship with our body, we have to recognize that we love other people for every other reason aside from their appearance. So what if that could be possible for us? What if we could start thinking about our bodies the way you do anyone else's? Where it's not even that you look at a person and think, I don't love them for what they look like. I love them for other things. You don't even think about what they look like in the first place. You just think about how much you love them. What if that could be the case for you? What if you could see yourself and just think how much you love your body and how much you care about it? And not because you aren't paying attention to what it looks like, but just because it isn't even an issue. There isn't even any noise about it. What if that's possible? I promise you it can be if you pay attention to what's happening in your mind enough and question it enough and have enough compassion to change it. The way that we can accomplish this is to start paying attention to your body. And I don't mean what it looks like, but to pay attention to your body in terms of what it is touching. So as I'm talking to you right now, if you were to really check in, like if you're sitting down, okay, so my legs are touching a chair and my feet are touching the ground and my arms are touching the sides of a couch or whatever it might be. If you were to pay attention to what your body is physically touching, if you could pay attention to what sensations you are experiencing, are you cold? Are you hot? Are you nauseous? Are you hungry? Are you full? right? What sensations are happening in your body? And then to take it even further, what emotions are you feeling in your body? We experience emotions in our bodies. Like think about any emotion that you've experienced recently and where you have felt it. You know, I recently was watching a very sad movie and I just felt it in my chest and in my throat. That was where I felt the sadness. And so I paid attention to that. I was like, oh, there is my body relaying information that I am feeling sadness, and when I feel sadness, I feel it in my throat and in my chest. Isn't that interesting? When we can pay attention to our body as this amazing messaging system that communicates to us in order to survive, I mean, that's something that's pretty amazing and worthwhile in terms of listening to. So in order to listen to our body, we also have to communicate with our body. Again, this comes back to our relationship with our body. The people in our life that we love, we communicate with. We express to them that we love them. So that means having a conversation with your body. That's like, hey, I love you. Thank you so much for all of the work that you have done for me today. Thank you so much for helping me walk from the bed to the bathroom to brush my teeth. Thank you so much for helping me go on a run today or to pick up my kids. It's also to say things like, hey, body, I'm going to do things that challenge you. I'm going to push you a little bit, but I'm not going to break you. I'm going to do things that are really going to work to your benefit in the long term. I'm going to take care of you. Can you imagine? Like if you have a conversation like that with another person, there's so much love and care and gratitude. 
that's the type of relationship that we have to develop with our body. We have to have that type of conversation in order to build a relationship. The next relationship that is key to weight loss is our relationship with food. If you think about how much you love food, what about how much that food loves or doesn't love you back? My favorite example that comes to mind is crumble cookies. In Utah, we have crumble. It's this cookie chain and they make these massive cookies and they are delicious. The problem is we might love crumble cookies, but they do not love us back. Crumble cookies are like the rebel boyfriend that we've all had. We know he's not good for us, but we sneak around and we want to be with this boyfriend in secret because it's such a thrill and we are a little bit ashamed about it, but that's also really exciting because it is so secret. But we know that spinach is going to be so much better of a partner, yet we seek out crumble cookies. We seek out that rebel boyfriend in those foods that don't love us back. And yet we do this. Why do we do this? Now listen, I'm not saying that we can't eat crumble cookies. What I'm saying is that we can still like them. We can still eat them sometimes. But my personal preference, I don't want to have a relationship with these crumble cookies. And you can substitute obviously anything in. I'm just using the crumble cookies because that's one of my favorite things. But my relationship with food in general can relate to this same principle I can still have any food that I want. I can eat it whenever I want to, but I don't want to have the relationship of I need it. I'm craving it. I can't live without it. Like that type of relationship is awful because if we are just needing something so desperately, it doesn't give us much love in return. It doesn't give much compassion or help or nutrition in return. So I want to have crumble cookies sometimes, but I do not want to be in the place where I need anything. I don't want to be dependent on something that doesn't give me the love that I need in return and the love that I want for my body in return. This is an ongoing work to shift your relationship with food. This isn't something that you do and then are finished with. It's something that takes time and awareness consistently in order to recognize, hey, I have this relationship with food and I want to continue to work on it. Just like in a romantic partnership, in a marriage, it's not something that you just get married and then you're done. It's a relationship you have to continue working on. And so you have to check in with your willingness to work on it and be honest with yourself about it if it's one that you want to put in the work. You also have to believe that it's possible to shift this relationship. I know there might be many of you out there that really do live in this space of I need certain things, I crave certain things, I can't live without certain things. And that is okay. The first step for you if you are in this category is just to consider how it might be possible for this relationship to shift. If you believe that it's possible, it at least opens up the door in your brain to consider possibility. And that's the first step in the right direction. So our relationship with food, we can appreciate it. We can be grateful for it. We can recognize that there are not good foods or bad foods. Did you know this? This was a concept I learned years ago and was really powerful. And I still continue to understand this concept that it's not that there are any foods that are good or bad. There are just foods that are more beneficial to my body than others, but that certainly does not mean that anything ever needs to be off limits or deemed as bad because that just leads to restriction and pain. And it leads to more of the chatter, the noise, and the drama. 
And what I want to teach you is how to eliminate the chatter, the noise, and the drama. So in order to do that, you have to recognize there are no good foods or bad foods. We just have to reorganize our relationship with certain foods so that we can be in alignment with our relationship with food and our relationship with our body. Because if we loved our body, then we wouldn't be dating the rebel boyfriend that we know isn't good for us, right? We might see him sometimes be like, hey, I see you. We're friends. It's good. But we wouldn't pursue it with all of the sneakiness and all of the shame. Life becomes so much less dramatic when we can shift our relationship with food. When we can realize there are no foods that are off limits, but we also don't have to be dependent on certain foods. We can like them and we can eat them sometimes, but we don't have to be in this relationship with it that is so filled with unrequited love. Okay? The third key relationship for weight loss is our relationship with hunger. This is a big one because most people are so afraid of being hungry because when we think about weight loss, we associate it with the panic over being hungry. So of course that feels terrible. So when people are panicking over being hungry, that's when they start to implement willpower. And we know that we have a limited amount of mental energy to do anything and willpower requires a lot of mental energy. So of course it depletes very quickly and that's when we end up caving and eating what we didn't plan or doing something that goes against what we intended to do in the first place. But this all happens because we think that hunger is a bad thing and so we try to avoid it at all costs. But healthy bodies get hungry when food is restricted a little bit. Again, it comes back to that messaging system. Healthy bodies have healthy hunger signals. So instead of making hunger a bad thing in your head, what if hunger is actually a good thing? What if hunger is a really good indication of the functioning of your body and a good indication that your body is working as a messaging system? As saying, hey, we're hungry. We need some fuel. Great. Then you can respond to it. And remember, hunger can be a good thing because we're not going to starve ourselves. If we're going to lose weight, we are not going to starve ourselves. This goes back to our relationship with our body. Our relationship with our body doesn't allow for that. It wouldn't allow for starvation or for being mean or for using willpower. It would only allow for kindness and love and feeling all of the feelings and trusting that hunger isn't a problem to be solved. It's actually a great indication. The next relationship is the relationship with the scale. I am not saying that anyone needs to use a scale, but the reason that I bring it up is because I think that right now people are giving it so much power when they don't need to. I see a lot of ditch the scale dialogue on social media. And again, that's absolutely fine. I'm not necessarily recommending that you use a scale. I just want you to consider what I have to say about it, because here's what's interesting. We think about the scale, we think about the number that comes up as if it is definite, as, as if it means something that's really problematic, as if it indicates anything, period. But really, like think about your body and we talk about what it weighs. That really is kind of a fluid term, what our body weighs, because are we referring to what it weighs in the morning if we're naked on the scale? Are we referring to what it means if we have clothes on and are being weighed at the doctor? Are we referring to what our body weighs at the end of the day after we've had meals and liquids and exercised? Are we referring to what our body weighs on one scale versus another scale? Like there are so many different ways to really 
assess what a body weighs, and yet we give so much meaning to a number. But our bodies are constantly fluctuating. Our bodies are these dynamic systems that have this beautiful ability to adjust weight appropriately in order to survive. And I'm not saying that it's like we're gaining fat and losing fat every single day, but think about the way that our body will retain a little bit of water or maybe release a little bit of water or release a little bit of fat or maybe put on a little bit of muscle. Like it's this incredible system. And yet we have so much drama about the number that comes up at a certain time of day as if it means something terrible. If you had a scale and every time you got on it, instead of three digits, it were three different emojis that were like a reflection of what had happened that day or a reflection of what had happened the day before or a reflection of how you were feeling. If emojis came up on a scale, we would have a totally different perspective about the scale. Our perception of it would be different, right? We would just be like, oh, that's just a reflection of how I'm feeling. It's just a reflection of what happened yesterday. It's just a reflection. It's just data, right? A scale with the digits that it tells us it's just a way to convey fascinating data. But the scale can be used because we love ourselves and are experimenting with our bodies and because we are experimenting with different lifestyles and because we need more data in order to complete the experiment and because we care about our bodies, not as a means to feel better about ourselves or to prove that we are somehow better or more worthy, but just to have more information with which to work in order to love our bodies in the best way possible. So again, I will repeat myself. I am not saying that you need to use a scale at all. I just want you to consider that whatever digits come up on any sort of scale, there are so many different meanings that you could give to it. But what meaning you give to it is just based on what you decide to think. And you can decide to think that it is a problem or you can decide to think that it's just data that you can utilize or not utilize. But the scale isn't the problem. It's our brains that make the scale a problem. The next relationship that is key for weight loss is our relationship with urges. So with what I teach in the gym for your mind, with how I teach about weight loss, I teach that we set a plan 24 hours ahead of time, what you are going to eat. So then what happens is you have your plan and then throughout the day you have urges to eat off your plan. I think most of us are pretty familiar with what it feels like to just want to eat something, to like see something and think, oh, I want to eat that. And you feel an urge to eat it, right? What happens is most of us think that urges require us to use willpower. And like I talked about earlier, willpower is limited. We have a limited capacity of willpower. And so when it runs out, then chaos happens and we eat off our plan, we might gain weight, right? Like all these problems happen because we are resisting our urges by using willpower. We are trying to white knuckle our way through the emotional experience of an urge and it's very exhausting and can be kind of painful, right? To have to just like white knuckle your way through an urge. But an urge to eat something is an emotion. Did you know this? Like having an urge is a vibration in your body. It's an emotion. And just like any other emotion, when we actually relax into an urge, when we really drop into it, we open up to it, we face it, we allow the urge to be there, it becomes so much less of a problem. It becomes so much more tolerable. It becomes so much less of a big deal. And so that's why we have to really understand that urges don't have to be a big deal unless we resist them. And that makes them a big deal. That's really painful and kind of annoying. 
So in order to shift our relationship with urges, we have to allow instead of resist them. So we have to have a game plan for when we have urges. If you are trying to lose weight and are doing it in a way similar to what I teach or doing it in the way that I teach, this relationship is crucial. When you have an urge, what is it that you want to say to your brain? Like oftentimes when I have an urge, like, oh, I want to eat that cookie. My response is, yeah, maybe. Like maybe I'll have it later. I'll wait maybe half an hour and see how I feel and maybe I'll have it then. I remind myself, I can always have whatever I want. I have this urge for a cookie. I'm going to kind of drink a glass of water and just sit with the urge for a minute. Maybe I can have it later and maybe I won't, but I can have this feeling in my body and still be okay. I don't have to willpower my way through anything. When it comes to urges, everybody is going to be different with how they figure these out, with how they adjust to this relationship. But I think the key here is to allow them as opposed to resist them and to have a response when you have them. How to be kind, how to be allowing, how to be compassionate. The last relationship that is key for weight loss is the relationship with yourself after you've eaten differently than what you had wanted or had planned to. Typically, our response when we eat off plan or when we eat something that we didn't necessarily want to eat is to beat ourselves up. Our instinct is to be so mean to ourselves about it because we think that somehow that will help us be better in the future. But when we are mean to ourselves, when we beat ourselves up, it only creates more baggage that we take along with us on our weight loss journey. Weight loss journeys do not have to include any pain, any suffering, and any beating of yourself up. (laughs) I promise you that can be true if you work on these relationships. If you really, really pay attention to what's happening after you have eaten off your plan. You get to tell yourself anything you want to after something like that has happened. If you planned to eat a salad and you had a cheeseburger instead, let me tell you, the first thing you should not be doing is beating yourself up. One of my favorite ways to kind of stop this in its tracks and just move forward is to say, that was a good cheeseburger, (laughs) then move on, right? Like I acknowledge it was a delicious cheeseburger. And then I move on with whatever it is that I had planned for the rest of the day or whatever it is that I had planned for tomorrow. I just move on. That's the type of relationship we have to develop is we have to have our own back. Be like, yeah, that was really delicious. Moving on. So summarizing the key relationships for weight loss are your relationship with your body, your relationship with food, your relationship with hunger, your relationship with the scale, your relationship with urges, and your relationship with yourself after you've eaten differently than you had wanted or had planned to. Inside the gym for your mind, I can teach you how to lose weight and then how to live like a normal person, how to not diet and how to not gain the weight back and how to not suffer in all of that and how to feel love through all of that. It's a powerful, powerful work that we do inside the gym for your mind. So if you're interested in that, The link to my website is in the show notes and you can go sign up for that program. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I will see you next week. (music) 